The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. ago, I was in a very, very difficult place. I was not sure how I could survive. The house payments were behind several months. Electricity, everything else was way behind. I didn't know how. I could possibly survive. My wife and I had eaten everything in the house, even the ketchup for tomato soup. There was there was nothing left. And that morning I was in such terrible shape before God. 
and I began to cry out to him and say, God, I'm going to die. I can't make it. And he answered me. I was stunned. He said, Good. I've been waiting for you to die. And all of the pain and all of the anguish of my heart just, I blurted out, How can you treat me this way? You see how I've served you. He said back to me, You were bought at a price. You are not your own. Oh, I just climbed down in a second. And I said to him, Lord, what do you want? His answer, Will you receive from my hand only that which I choose to give you? Those were his exact words. I said, Yes, Lord. Little did I understand what I had just said yes to. Would I receive from the hand of the Lord only that which he chose to give me? Yes, Lord. And that began a process of learning how to receive from the hand of the Lord and not from my own hand. This is, without a doubt, the position that every person called of Christ must take, that you will receive only that which he gives you, and you will not turn away from him. I was awakened this morning about 3.30 to begin praying, and then I went back to bed. I slept a short time. At 5.30, he had me again praying. And the issue that I was dealing with is this same issue. For I began to recognize that out of fear, out of the need of my heart, I have not always received what Jesus had chosen to give me. Instead, I have reached out and taken that which he has not given me. I'll be specific. I've reached out for friendship with those the Lord has not indicated he is giving to me as friends. I have reached out for opportunities that he has not offered me as an opportunity. But I, with my own personality and my own charisma and my own force, have created and every time I've done this, I have resulted entering a very painful time in my life. It would seem that I would learn this lesson, but the lesson just keeps getting deeper. That's not an excuse. That's reality. And in the painful place of learning and being disciplined by righteousness and by the Lord God of heaven, I'm learning to turn aside even from those emotional needs that I feel, 
that I don't have a right to reach out and form friendship with someone that God has not given to me to be friends. Friendship is a a most precious gift in my heart. When a friendship is offered, or there is the possibility of friendship, I don't have the right to reach out, to say, yes, I want to be friends. And I have done that. And I have walked into incredible difficulty because of it. I'm learning not to do that. I'm not free to speak however I choose to speak, and often I have spoken out of my own human intuition and out of my own human desire. And the Lord is saying to me, that is sin, Ray. Only speak what I give you to speak. Now, I have some scripture I want to read for you, but we're going to go deep today. And I ask, please, would you listen to this entire broadcast? You need to get a hold of this. This is fundamental for a walk with Jesus. You see, when a person receives Jesus as Christ and Lord, When a person repents of their sin, they confess how they have wronged Jesus, and they see how they have hurt the Lord God of heaven, and they have great sorrow in their heart, and they come repenting before Jesus, and they turn away from their wicked ways, and they are brought into fellowship with Jesus. We call those people Christ followers or Christians, people of the way. When that person comes to Jesus, there's an exceptional amount of gratitude in their heart that their sins are forgiven. And then Jesus begins to bestow gifts on them. He comes as they wait before him with the gift of the Holy Spirit who will move in and begin to take over the life. There are gifts of service that are granted. As these gifts, as described in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, or in Romans, the 12th chapter, as these gifts of the Spirit are given, after a period of time, almost in every case, a Christian will begin to cool down and settle in. And as that person cools down and settles in, they will usually begin to include in their lives things that they did not think right before. Suddenly, they'll be vitally interested in the NASCAR, or they'll be very interested in politics, and all they can talk about is Donald Trump. As soon as you begin to speak with a person and all they can talk about is how they hate our president or how they love our president, you know that their heart is cooling toward Jesus. When a person is filled with gossip, 
It's an indicator that their heart is growing cool toward Jesus. This coolness does not come all at once. It's like a cool breeze blowing over water, and it just slowly, gently cools that water and brings coldness to the heart. Now, when a person begins to cool in this way, the Holy Spirit comes and confronts them. And now they have to face the question, do they really want Jesus? And the Holy Spirit begins to call them into the deep. Now, a person at that point has a choice. They can follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and begin to focus in the reading of the Scripture and in prayer which they have laid aside. Their prayers have become passionless. The tears no longer flow when they pray. Now the Holy Spirit will come and he'll begin to speak to that person. He'll begin to bring people into their lives or he'll bring them a book or they'll see a video, or something will happen in their life. They will lose their money. They'll be fired from their job. There will be difficulty in their marriage. Something will begin to happen that will call that person to get serious once again with Jesus. And this time, they know what they're getting into. And there is a work of entire um, entire sanctification. There is a work of purifying the heart that must go on. Now, I want to read for you a passage of Scripture. Before I do, just let me say a couple of things. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm so glad you're listening. I pray Jesus will hear your heart cry today and will bless you with the Holy Spirit's presence, not just outside of you, but in you, in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, you remember from yesterday, we are still three uh, $600 short financially for this month. A precious person made a pledge for $700, and for some reason they've not been able to send that money. I don't know what happened, and, and it's okay. But this morning, as I was awakened in the early hours and began to pray, I very clearly was directed not to do an offertory today, but instead to speak about Jesus with you. So I said, Lord, what do we do about that $700? One person made a pledge of 100 so we now have 600 short. What do I do about that, Lord? And he said, just let it go. I'll take care of it. So I don't know how Jesus is going to take care of that $600 shortfall for October for radio. But I'm going to do what he told me to do and just trust him and wait upon him. I'm not going to try to reach out and take and move you to give. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not me. So if the Lord moves you to give, call 877-534-0780 and just tell Drew what the Lord is telling you to give or just send it as the Lord directs you. Now let's come back to the word of the Holy Spirit that he wants to speak to your heart today. Genesis, the third chapter, 
This is a very familiar passage, but I want to focus specifically on one part. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Well, what I want you to hear today is that the sin of Eve was reaching out her hand to take what she wanted that she thought would improve her ability to judge for herself right from wrong, that she would gain wisdom and she would be like God. Now, the heart of this is that we are not God. And we do not have the right to reach out our hand and take what we want and say what we want and do what we want. A follower of Jesus Christ cannot do that. And he has convicted me of how many times I have done just that. Isaiah 50 says that if we do that, we will lie down in torment. We will light our own fires and we will lie down in torment. And many times I have laid down in torment. Even today, I am yet lying down in torment because of certain decisions that I have made where I reached out for myself to take what I thought I needed. Now, sometimes in friendship, it has been offered. And instead of asking the Lord, is this friendship given by you or is this my own desire and my own need? I've just received that friendship and entered into that fellowship with that person. And I'm guessing that you have done the same thing. 
No, I know you've done the same thing. And that you are in relationships and friendships that are not of God, that you need to end. Some of you are living with a person you are not married to. That relationship needs to change. And you need to very carefully ask the Lord, is this a relationship that you have given to me? And if it's not, you need to end it. If it is, then you need to get married. You need to stop sinning against God. Now, we can reach out and take whatever we want, but we will lie down in torment. That's not what God has for us. Let me read you another passage of Scripture. It's found in Exodus 21. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl, and he shall serve him forever. He shall serve him forever. Now, these rituals, these rules governing in the Old Testament have great significance for our walk with Jesus. And let's be very frank. Let's be very honest one with another. You have to choose. If the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Here we see the character of him who prefers to take that higher ground in his devotion to enter into still deeper servitude. He appreciates the gift of his master, and he prefers his master's provision for him to his own self-management. Here we have an illustration of two forms of love, so often dwelt upon in mental and moral science, namely the love of gratitude and the love of personal excellence. We may suppose that when a poor young man sold himself to a rich neighbor or a rich relative, it was not personal regard for the neighbor, but personal protection from punishment, which led to this act of servitude. And then when his master canceled his debts, showered many blessings upon him, there would spring up the love of gratitude to his master, 
but as he became more thoroughly acquainted with the character of his master, his attachment to him would become a love of his excellence, so that apart from the mere gifts he would love the man for his own sake. In like manner, it is self-preservation from the wrath to come that drives the awakened sinner to his Savior. In other words, he sees the judgment coming upon him. He sees that he is hell-bound. He does not reach out his hand to take advantage of a great deal. Instead, he sees in the tear of his heart where he is headed. And then when Jesus blots out that man's transgressions and lets his favor rest upon him, there springs up the love of great gratitude. We love him because he first loved us. But when the believer becomes thoroughly acquainted with Jesus as a person and understands his inner life, his love for Jesus will become a deep spiritual passion, a supreme attachment to his person. He is altogether lovely. Now it's in this latter form of love which is the secret spring of unlimited sacrifice and devotion and service, both in social and religious matters, the love of person is far stronger than the love of gratitude. The love of personal attachment will lead to a thousandfold more sacrifice and self-forgetfulness than any other form of love. A man I've spent much time talking with has said to me over and over, the only reason I'm serving Jesus is because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that's not a sufficient reason to serve Jesus. This man has been following Jesus for many years, and because his only love for Jesus is his fear of hell, he has grown very self-centered, constantly reaching out for people, constantly reaching out for money, constantly reaching out for that next great job, that next great opportunity, but utterly without understanding about who Jesus really is. So you're in your job, and suddenly you have an opportunity to transfer to a new job with a much better salary. Should you take it? Well, that depends. Did Jesus bring that opportunity to you, or did you bring that opportunity to yourself? Is this Jesus saying, I'm going to bless you now? Or is it the own, your own hunger, even as Eve had, and Adam had to reach out your hand and take the opportunity that presents itself because you'd be a fool not to. That's worldly wisdom. That's worldly wisdom. That's not being motivated by only receiving from God's hand what he chooses to give you. How many times I've 
watched men and women go out and start their own business and then end up in tragedy year after year. How many times I've watched people reach out and grab a relationship with a husband or with a wife only to have that husband or wife turn upon them and bite them and cause them incredible sadness and brokenness of heart. And in my shallowness, I have imagined that if the opportunity presents itself, it means automatically that it was Jesus or the Holy Spirit bringing it to me. But that is a lie from the devil. The devil brings opportunities. The devil brings relationships. The devil brings temptations to reach out and take what we desire because our heart is hungry. I was raised in a very poor country home. And I remember often in my early years of ministry, always desiring to be so successful And I would receive invitations to go speak at universities or colleges to thousands of people at a time. And I always lusted after those great speaking opportunities. Or I would be invited to speak at a youth congress or some other opportunity to be number one. And I would always lust after those things and reach out for those opportunities and grasp them. And I thought that was success. I learned that was not success. It was failure. Because I would go and speak, but there was not any significant change in the hearts of the people who listened to me preach. I presented it in a a very logical manner. I presented it in a very entertaining manner. We all had a good time. But when it was over, it was like listening to a nice piece of music. Many of you are so eager to hear all of the latest Christian music and you'll you'll turn on radio stations that have just Christian music and you'll listen to it on the way to work and it'll give you a nice warm fuzzy feeling. Is that Jesus telling you to turn that radio on? I doubt it. Are you reaching out for opportunities that are going to result in you simply having a more successful life without regard to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do or what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, then you are playing the part of Adam and Eve again in the garden and you will lie down in torment. There is a a much deeper place that the Holy Spirit is calling us to move to. Let's look at this again. And I'm going to share with you from a book entitled Coals of Fire by uh, G.D. Watson. He was in the late 1800s, early 1900s. This book was written close to the very end of his life. The love of personal attachment will lead to a thousandfold more sacrifice and self-forgetfulness than any other form of love. You know what I've learned? 
and I'm learning right now. The test of whether a friendship is from the Lord is if he calls me to forget about myself and serve another's need. If, on the other hand, I'm reaching out for that friendship out of my own need, it's pretty clear it's not from Jesus. I don't want anything in my life that is not brought to me by the Holy Spirit. I've shared with some of you, for quite some months I didn't have a car. And I was basically housebound. And it was a wonderful time with Jesus. Twice a week, friends would come by and take me out. I hold a worship service in my home every Sunday, and I'm with you on the air every day. But it was very isolated and very quiet, and it gave me a great deal of time with Jesus. And so I simply asked him, Lord, would you give me a car when you're ready for me to have one? I could go buy one and go in debt, but the Lord has said said to me, don't go in debt. And so I, I waited on the Lord. One person I, I heard about, they bought a car, and that car broke down. And so they bought another car and just wrapped the amount of the old car that they hadn't paid yet into the debt of the new car. They did that three times until finally they bought a $27,000 car and they have a $40,000 loan. Do you think they're laying down in torment at night? Oh, they have a $600 a month car payment. It's killing them stretched over many years. How do they get out of that place of torment? Well, I simply prayed and waited upon the Lord. And he brought me a car. It's a a 2009 Hyundai Sonata. It's white. It's a beautiful car. It runs perfectly. Jesus did that. I didn't do it. I didn't initiate it. I didn't ask for it. The Lord caused someone to offer it and then prompted me and said, yes, say yes, say yes. I said, thank you. Now, I want you to know that if you're reaching out for that job or you're reaching out for that friendship or you're reaching out for that money, if you're reaching out for that entertainment and it's not what Jesus has given you but is a reflection of the cooling of your heart toward Jesus so that you think you have to provide for yourself because God won't provide. You know, I'm being tested again on the $600 for radio for the for paying October's bill. Okay, you know what I'm hearing? Trust me, Ray. I only want what comes from the hand of the Lord. I don't want what comes from my persuasiveness. I want what comes from the Lord. 
So when the Lord tells me to do an offertory, I do an offertory. When he doesn't, I don't dare do it. And today I don't dare do an offertory. Now let's go back to this this love slave. That's really what we're talking about. This person who is indentured to a master comes to the end of his sixth year and now he has a choice he has to make. He has to choose to have his ear bored to enter into a lifelong servitude, to abandon his labors to the mere will of another, simply because he loves his master. Now, it's true, he loves his wife, and he loves his children, and he loves his master because of his gifts. But over and above all of this, he is attached to his master as a brother. He honors his character. He can repose in his plans. He can trust in his care. He never wants to get any further away from him. His affection for his master is not ambiguous. It is not silent, but he plainly says, I love my master. This is the secret spring of those who take their devotion to Jesus to a pure heart. In their heart, they long for purity. They cannot stand anything that separates them from Jesus. Not because they're afraid of going to hell. Not because they want merely to retain the gifts that Jesus has given them. But their acquaintance with Jesus has made them willing to do anything to be anything, and to suffer anything that they might be united with Jesus forever. What a world of suggestion in those simple words. I will not go out free. I will not go out free. When his master took him under his wing, he had nothing but debt. He was a poor manager of his own affairs. His master takes infinitely better care of him than he did of himself. And I testify today that that is my relationship with Jesus. He takes much better care of me than I have ever been able to take care of myself. He has given me such incredible gifts. He's given me confidence and trust in him. He's given me a passion in my heart for a pure heart. He has given me precious men and women to walk with in unity with Jesus. He's given me the financial resources necessary to live, a place to live, food to eat, a car to drive, clothes to wear. Everything I have has come from Jesus' hand. I don't have anything in my life that did not come from him. And he has spoken very clearly to me about some relationships and said, I didn't give you that relationship. Withdraw. 
And so I have to do that. Other relationships, he said, I gave that to you. Strengthen the ties. They're from me. (laughs) There's a precious man. He's not a Christian. In fact, he's a Muslim. I said, Lord, did you give me this man? Yes. Strengthen your ties with him. I didn't choose him. He approached me. He offered the gift of friendship to me. I am utterly undeserving of his friendship. But I love this man. I love him with all of my heart. He had a dream some years ago. He was driving with his wife and his children in a van. And a man in a white robe stepped out and waved him down. He stopped. The man opened his door, took him by the hand, and led him off the road into a pond of water, and there he baptized him. Brought him back to the car, and he climbed in with his wet clothes and drove on down the road. And, And this dear man said to me, Was that your Jesus who baptized me? I said, Yes, you belong to him. Now, I know why Jesus has given me this friendship. It's for the salvation of this man and his family. That this man could turn from the false God of Allah and seek after the true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is no way to the Father except by way of Jesus. So here's an opportunity for me to serve I know that is a gift from Jesus, and it's brought great comfort to my heart to watch him as he grows. I pray someday soon I'll be able to baptize him. Now, I have some other friendships that are that are not from the Lord, and he has said no to, and he has said let them go. That's very painful for me. But I want you to hear today that you need to see your true relationship with Jesus Christ. The great majority of believers think that Jesus is there to save you from hell. Some of you think you can manage your own affairs. You think about seeking your own honor and your own prosperity. You think you can manage your own petty interests and think way ahead and lay petty schemes for yourselves and for your friends. You can't wait for the slow footsteps of God for his will to be carried out. You're afraid God would not feather your nest thick enough that you'd be comfortable there. I just heard about a friend who was in a very dumpy apartment. 
and the Lord God of heaven heard this person's cry for a new apartment. And she was told to go to a certain place and apply for housing, and so she went there. And when she got there, the room was full. She was late. She couldn't go in. She was brokenhearted. She stood outside and cried out to the Lord with tears. Suddenly a man approached her and asked what she needed. And she told him. And he said, what's your phone number? I'll call you. And sure enough, someone called her. And the long story short, she today is in a beautiful new apartment that no one else has lived in. It's beautiful. God gave it to her. And she learned that that man who had approached her was the general manager. He was the one who had the authority to make the decision. She would not have ever spoken to him if God had not arranged her time. And today she's rejoicing in Jesus. She's one of our listeners to this broadcast. I want to tell you that when Jesus arranges things, it is always perfect. The question is, will we trust God on general principles, but trust the details to ourselves? If we do, we will end up in spiritual bankruptcy. And some of you today, you're in spiritual bankruptcy. Jesus has not been enough for you. And I want to just proclaim from the rooftop, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You can trust him. He will not cast you aside. I dare not go free. I dare not go on my own plans. I dare not abandon myself to me. I abandon myself to my master. I will dare to receive only what Jesus gives me. I will identify at every junction point what is the interest of the kingdom of God, what is the interest of Jesus. I am interested in the unending slavery of love and not the apparent freedom of legality. Now, some of you today listening, you walk under the law. Oh, you're Christian, but you're a Romans 7 Christian. You're not a Romans 8 Christian. You still walk under the legality of the law, and you try to be perfect, and you try to do all you're supposed to do, but you also reach out, and you create your own opportunities, and you create your own life, and you choose what you want, but you're very legal. And you're very bankrupt when it comes to love for Jesus. And the service you render is a legal service, not the heartwarming service overflowing with passion for Jesus. I want you to say with me right now, 
Jesus is enough. I couldn't hear you. Say it out loud. Jesus is enough. Say it again. Jesus is enough. Will you be a love slave for Jesus? Will you be a love slave for Jesus? Is Jesus enough for you? Will you lay your life down for our Lord and Savior Jesus? Is he enough for you? Now we're almost out of time today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I want to tell you I'm here for only one reason. I'm here because Jesus sent me. And I'm going to trust him this month to pay October's radio bill. I'm going to trust Jesus to move in your hearts and make a covenant with him that Jesus is enough, that you're willing to be a love slave to Jesus and give up your own life. You're willing to back away and say, Jesus, I will receive only from your hand what you choose to give me. I will receive from your hand only what you choose to give me. Some of you want to serve Jesus, but you also want to be in charge of your life. I'm telling you right now, you can't do that. If you want to serve Jesus, he has to be the one in charge of your life. So in the last minutes of this broadcast, I want to pray with you. Lord, today I lift up each person listening to this broadcast and each person who will listen later on the internet or the podcast. And I'm asking Jesus that they would make a covenant right now to be forever your love slave. That they would not choose to go out in freedom and create their own world and their own life and their own opportunities. That they would trust you. Now, Lord, I ask you in the early hours of this morning to please forgive me for every time I have reached out and I have specifically gone through each of these items as you brought them to me one by one. And I've made a covenant with you by sacrifice that I will not reach out for any opportunity, for success. I will not reach out for money. I will not reach out for friendship. I will trust whomever you bring into my life and whatever you bring into my life. And I am, Jesus, your love slave. I pray that each one listening will make that same decision right now. And Lord, in the time we have remaining, I must lift up our president. Lord, whether a person approves and likes him or not, he is the president of the United States, and he is under great pressure and great fire by very evil men and women. 
by progressives, by leftists, by communists, by those who approve of killing babies, by those who approve of destroying the moral fabric of our country. I ask, Lord, right now, would you bring President Donald Trump great courage and great strength? Would you anoint him with your spirit and call him into this love-slave position with you, Jesus? Would you forgive him for his sins? Would you change his heart and give him your mind and your wisdom? Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, if you'd like to write to me, and I'd love to hear from you, I always enjoy these wonderful notes. Thank you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you'd like to be a part of a house church where we're focusing on these issues, then just Google National Prayer Chapel and up will pop a full description and a picture of our house and how to get here. We start at 10 a.m. sharp. Don't come late. You're welcome to come as the Holy Spirit calls you. My phone number is there. You're welcome to call me, 703-489-1785. Now, you're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find a place where you can donate online. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Jesus.